0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Two weeks ago, we started a a little mini series uh, about God's Lordship in the home. Last week, we obviously had a guest speaker. It was a phenomenal message last week. If you didn't hear it, uh, I encourage you to go to the website and listen to it. It gives you some really good understanding to do with Israel, the Jewish people, what's going on in the nations, and uh, everything else. Uh, This week, we're going to carry on part two of Lordship in the Home. And you might say, what does this have to do with harvest? Because we know at the beginning of this year, God spoke to us about harvest. What is harvest? Harvest is many, 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 many people coming to know Jesus, giving their lives to him, being healed, being set free, having their lives transformed by having a personal relationship with God, how many believe that that's what God wants to do in our nation, in our region and the town that we live, Just, just, uh, just nudge the person next to you this morning, make sure they're alive, they're awake, so while I'm speaking this morning, just say yes, great, even if you think that's rubbish, just say yeah, great, anyway, just so you let me know you're awake this morning, is that okay? Now, we're going to unpack it a, a little bit more. And today, we, have, we do have a sign-up opportunity for small groups. We've had quite a, a short kind of season of small groups. I know some of them continue on. But if you're not in a small group, uh, then after the, the meeting today, you, you have the opportunity to go and check out on some tables at the back various small groups that are going on in the life of the church. And we want to encourage you to plug in because that's the relational hub, the relational centre, really, of the life of the church, how you can connect with other people, build great friendships. And a lot of the small groups are geared around what you have a heart for, an interest in or a passion for. And and you can meet like-minded, like-hearted people from different generations, different age groups. And often, you know, you can connect on a friendship level because you have the same heart for something. And uh, so go and check those out afterwards. But today's message, although it's going to be very much focused on the home, uh, we can still apply a lot of the same principles in a small group context, uh, because it's it's a relationship centre, relationship hub, and God can do the same kind of things through a small in and through a small group as we're going to be looking at uh, this morning about His Lordship in the home. So, what is what is What has this got to do with uh, harvest? Seeing many many people saved. Well, we'll unpack that as we go through the message this morning, but we know that. Family is one of the foundations of society. It's one of the bedrocks of society. And we know that family is being attacked. There's a lot of fragmentation in family life. And we see that in many different ways. And from God's point of view, his ordained kind of uh, uh, fabric of society is to have healthy families, healthy homes, healthy relationships within those homes and within those families And when God is not involved in that way, the likelihood of fragmentation and issues is much, much higher. We know there are some great families in society that don't know Jesus and uh, live with good principles and in a good way. But we know that there are many that are in trouble, many that uh, have a lot of issues going on. And as a church, because that's where God starts, he always starts in body, in his body, the body of Christ, the church. He always starts there to make sure that what is taking place in the church is healthy so that as we reach out to people who don't know Jesus, then we're reaching out to them from a point of health and life, not a place of fragmentation in our own lives. So this is the home and what God does there has a massive impact. Now, one of the things God has said to us is, about seeing 5,000 households coming to know Jesus across the tw- this region that we live in, the 25 mile radius going out from here. 5,000 households, that's 15 to 20,000 people. How many of you believe that God can do that? How many of you believe that God can do that? So far this year, we've reached 40 new households so far this year in the last few months in terms of people responding to Jesus in some way. That's in this congregation as well as Worthing and in Crawley. Tonight is the official launch of Burgess Hill. Um, So uh, that's at 6.30 this evening, and uh, I can't remember the name of the school. Woodland Mead Mead School, okay? If you need to find out, uh, you can Google that, Woodland Mead School in Burgess Hill. And uh, it starts at 6.30 tonight. There's going to be a launch service. For the next couple of months, there's going to be Sunday night services with the view that then... We'll go to Sunday mornings. It's important that we move to Sunday mornings fairly quickly because Sunday morning is a great time for families to come. Not so easy in the evening. But we want to get going on Sunday nights for a few weeks just to get momentum, everybody who's part of the congregation there already, just to get everybody into the flow of, of sort of meeting, setting up, how everything's going to be and all of that kind of stuff and really just setting the tone so that when we go to a Sunday morning... Uh, People are really going to become added to a family of people down there and get added as they come to know Jesus. Is that okay? So it'd be great if you can make it tonight. We're going to have a big, big sort of celebration, just launching Burgess Hill as a congregation. It'd be great to encourage all the guys down there to to, uh, be part of that tonight. Just one other thing, Uh, the the children are going to be collected 10 minutes later than normal. We want to just give you a bit of time to sign up for small groups just after the service finishes. So you don't need to get your kids at uh, 11.30, you can go at 11.40, okay? Now, uh, last week, quick recap. We started to speak about uh, God's lordship in the home. Are you with me? Are you okay? Everybody awake and alive? Just nudge the person next, you say, you're looking good this morning? them, you smell lovely. Okay. So we began to speak about uh, the peace of God, God's shalom, the word for peace in the Bible. And the word peace in English is just, you know, hopefully you have a bit of peace, you just feel happy and content. But actually, shalom is much stronger than that. Peace in the Bible, shalom means abundant well-being, complete wholeness, nothing missing, nothing lost. It means the way that things are supposed to be. So if we understand that, that's the kind of life that God wants us to have in our homes. Abundant life, well-being, complete wholeness, etc. Nothing missing, nothing lost. Amen. How many of you are praying for children that are not walking with God? Or once were, you don't have to put your hand up. I'm not asking you to embarrass yourself, sorry. Um <laughs> I don't want to embarrass you. One of the things that is happening is people that have known the Lord are coming back to him. The Bible talks about prodigals, people that have gone away and then coming back to the Lord. So I think one of the things we're going to see a lot of as part of the harvest and many people come to know the Lord is, is many prodigals, many people that have been with God and have walked away coming back to the Lord, right? And that's all part of what God wants to do in the home. See, a restoration of family in the home, and some of that is children. doesn't mean they're 15 years old. They could be 25, 35, 45 coming back to the Lord. The other thing we looked at, as well as God's abundant life in the way that Shalom is in our homes, we looked at, quite briefly, the priesthood of the believer. What does that mean? In the Old Testament, the the people of Israel, uh, there was one tribe that was set aside as the priests, the Levites, and they set everything up in terms of the tent of meeting and the tabernacle where the people then came to worship and they would prepare everything so that the people could then come and worship God. And so the Levites were the priests. Well, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, it's now possible for every person to have a personal relationship with God and the Bible talks about us being the priesthood of believers. So if you know Jesus here today... One of the biblical ways it describes somebody who is a believer in Jesus and has a relationship with him is that you are a priest. And basically what does that mean? It means you're somebody who worships God, honours God and you want to tell other people about him, okay? It's just a phrase they use. And so God wants to establish the priesthood of the believer in the home as well. And we've seen in the modern church and maybe the last few hundred years that personal responsibility in the church was kind of um, stripped out by the way the, the organised church, the denominational church from hundreds of years ago through Constantine, they took everything out of the home and said everything must be done in a building. If you're going to worship, you have to come to a building. If you're going to read the Bible, you've got to come to the building. If you're going to have communion, you've got to come to a building. If you're going to confess your sins, you've got to come to a building. And they, they stripped out all of the personal responsibility in the home and they put it in a building and said the priest at the front is the person that you have to listen to or repent your sins to or he's the one that is ordained to give communion because you can't do that and it's stripped out something from the home and God wants to restore back to the home his lordship And and I'm not saying that none of us pray at home or do these things but so often the emphasis can be on the church and what the church does what the church is going to do for me or what the church is going to do for my children or what the leaders are going to do. And, it's, and sometimes we don't take personal responsibility in our lives to say that actually I'm the, I'm the first port of responsibility in my relationship with God. That's my responsibility. As part of the body in the church, what we do as a church is we help to put fuel on that fire. We help to do training and equipping to help you in your life. But you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And so everybody has a personal responsibility in their own walk with God. And as we talked about last week, you are the pastor in your home. I can't be the pastor in your home. You're the pastor in your home where you are. And therefore, God wants to bring his lordship into your home through you and what he wants to do in you. We also had a quick look at Hebrews where it talks about the rest of God because shalom in God also connects because we looked at Genesis 1 and 2 about the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest and how God on the seventh day rested from all the work he had done and uh, we looked at what does the word Sabbath mean in terms of rest and uh, in relation to shalom, God's total well-being coming into into our homes and the word... uh, Uh, Sabbath means to rest and there's three meanings to the word rest in Hebrews. One is to cease from your work, your daily schedule, to stop. Another is the abode of God, the habitation, the presence of God, who you are in Christ But then also there's a Sabbath rest, which really, as we described last week, is like a sacred place. It's an appointed time that God makes with us and we want to keep that appointment with Him because He wants to release His shalom into our homes, His abundant life, His total well-being, nothing lost, nothing missing, the way it's supposed to be. And therefore, in our week, somewhere or other, we need to stop, not just from what we're doing and saying, I need to rest, But we actually need to stop and have Sabbath rest where we're around the table as a family and we're saying, Father, we belong to you, our home and our family and everything we are belong to you. We want to eat together. We want to break bread together. We want to talk about you together and we want to bring you into our home because you are Lord and we want you to bring that abundant shalom. We want to bring your life and your power. We want to raise our kids in a way that honors you and glorifies you and we want to be a great example to them in terms of how we do that. In the home yeah, you there Are you with me so we kind of talked about some of that we're going to unpack a bit more of that this morning so what does it mean to have sabbath rest now we know as believers i'm talking quite fast today because i've got 20 minutes is that okay you don't believe me i'll, I'll try at 25 past everybody go 25 past 11 okay so i don't have to look at the time and then you can let me know when i'm supposed to finish is that all right it's the same sort of game as, look, there's somebody behind you or whatever. You know that one, but just say a little. So what is Sabbath, Sabbath rest? Well, part of it is that when you cross from not knowing God to knowing him, you come into his Sabbath rest. That means you rest from your own efforts, living in your own strength, trying to do life in your own way. And you say, God, I surrender everything to you and I come into your Sabbath rest. I come into relationship with you you come and live in me and I now become a child of God and the bible uses that phrase you now are in Christ Jesus okay you now have a relationship with him and in him and he comes to live in you and therefore you're not trying to live life in your own strength anymore you now have his life and strength in you and he enables you to live with his life and strength that ultimately is the sabbath rest it's a 24/7 relationship with God well, we want our homes to be 24-7, but also we want to make space for God in our homes. So when we begin to talk about Sabbath, there's probably some things that come up in people's minds. Okay, Firstly, some people think, well, the Sabbath, that's Jewish. Okay, The Sabbath is not Jewish. Uh, the Sabbath came in, actually in chapter 1 of Genesis and chapter 2 of Genesis when there were no Jews around. Jews came later in the Bible when Israel became a nation and then the Jewish people were the people of Israel. Well, this is pre-Israel, pre-Jews. So the Sabbath is something that God has set in place because of what the Sabbath is connected with Shalom and what he wants to bring into our life in terms of his total well-being and wholeness. Some people think that the Sabbath is, is Sunday. Sabbath is not Sunday. Sabbath was the seventh day of the week actually which is Saturday uh, in terms of how the week actually runs um, and, but a lot of us think that, that Sunday is Sabbath, that's the day of rest but also Sabbath is not the day you go to church. Because Sabbath is not actually about going to church. Sabbath is more about rest and what happens in your home and in your family. Where did God institute Sabbath and rest? It was in relationship with Adam and Eve. So the first place that Sabbath took place was with a couple and with a family. And that's where people entered into the rest of God or lived in that relationship. It was in a family. There was no no church as we understand it. So the first ecclesia, the first church in the Bible, is in Genesis 1, 2, 1 and 2, and it's in a family context. So God wants there to be a Sabbath rest, because in your home, that's, the for, that's a form of church and ecclesia. The word ecclesia for church, a people set apart for God. There's, there's a form of ecclesia in your home. So God wants there to be a Sabbath rest in His shalom in your home. Also, when it comes to Sabbath, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not a somber thing. It's not kind of like, oh, we're getting into legalism now. No, what we're talking about, there must be space in our lives, in our homes, where we say, God, everything else stops. Everything else is on, on hold. Phones are over there laptops are over there, whatever's over there. And what we do, we stop and we say, Father, this is your time, your appointed time with us where we're going to eat together, break bread together. We're going to speak and admonish and encourage one another with the word and pray over each other. And we're going to talk about you. We're going to learn about you and what's going on and how we live life in the culture and society we're in. And in that context, we want your shalom to come in, your total well-being. How do you know when you break bread? There's a possibility of miracles. Yeah. Paul the Apostle talked to the Corinthians and he said to them in the, in the New Testament, in one of the letters to the people who lived in Corinth then, in that time, a couple of thousand years ago, they were, they were having communion but people were still sick and dying. And he said, you don't discern the power of the Lord's body, the breaking of bread and the drinking of the juice or the cup or whatever. And he said, because you don't discern what it really means, some are still sick and some have died. Now, it's not because they were taking it in the wrong way. It's because they weren't taking it with faith. So when you, you have communion with faith, understanding the power of what it is and what it represents, what Paul the Apostle is saying, that when you, when you receive communion with faith, then there's a power, the power of God's released in that moment. How many of you want to see miracles in your home? Anybody else, apart from three of you? Anybody else want to see miracles in your home? Okay, how many you want to see miracles connected with your home, family members and others, extended household and all of that? Okay, so we don't worship the Sabbath, we worship the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, can we just have the first slate up that we looked at last week uh, about the five different things? Where it's, that's the one, great. So in essence, to simplify it, okay, there's, there's God and there's Jesus, okay, Here, God then there's his kingdom which is trying to keep this simple within his kingdom there's the church the church worldwide then there is the local church which is like here us sitting in this room right now and then there is the believer uh, and the home where we live and most of the concentration in what goes on is often in the local church there Uh, in terms of activity and what it means to be part of the church and everything else. And one of the things we've not done a lot of in this church, but also in a lot of churches, is what God wants to do in the home through the priesthood of every believer as the foundation of the church. Because if it doesn't work in the home, why is it going to work when we come together? So the strength of the local church is determined by the strength of what goes on in the home. And if the strength of the local church is, is getting stronger because what's happening in the home, then, then it's going to happen vice versa. Then the strength of the local church is also going to impact the strength of what goes on in your home. One feeds the other and the other feeds the one. They both work together. So we want to make sure what's going on in our, in our homes is, is healthy. So in the local church, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the equipment of the saints, the five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. What do they do? Their primary thing is to equip the saints for works of ministry, to do the stuff that God wants to do, okay? That's the prime responsibility of the local church. So, one of the things we're doing this morning, like a couple of weeks ago, today and next week, is to try and help equip you to, be a, to live an effective life and faith in your home with your family then whoever else comes into that environment also gets impacted with the life of who God is because of what is taking place in your home. Amen? Okay. So let's have a look. Uh, There's a couple of I'm trying to decipher some of my notes because I've got loads of them. We're not going to get through them all this morning. So the believer in the home is the one who has the authority in the home. If you exercise authority in the home in the way that God wants to, you'll have God's order in the home. We're going to unpack what does that look like to exercise authority. Authority in the world, often people just think that as authoritarianism. You're trying to drive and control people. Well, God's authority is not like that. He's not a driving God. He's not an authoritarian God. Um, his authority comes through love. His lordship in, in that way comes through love. Love. And so in the home, you are the pastor, you're the leader, you're the one in your home. And when you take authority, when you take that right place of the priest in the home, God's power is released. Now, what we want to do, we want to do a little bit of a parallel, okay, between Sabbath and what does that have to do with today and how we see God's life and power come into our home. So Exodus 20, uh, verse 1 through to 17, are all about the Ten Commandments, okay? And we're going to unpack some of that. Now, when I say Ten Commandments, some of you might start thinking, whoa, here we go, we're just going to look at laws and, and what we're supposed to be doing and all that kind of stuff. God never put, set the Ten Commandments in place to be laws in the way that we think the Old Testament law to the Jewish people was. The Ten Commandments are a law or framework for how society should live. And if it lives in relation to the Ten Commandments, the framework that God has given, we will have a healthy society. If we live these in the home, we will have a healthy home. Okay, So don't don't automatically go to, oh, that's another Jewish thing, or that's the law, or now we're going to get legalistic. No, this is a framework for how God has ordained society to live and how, how it's going to affect our family. How many of you know that the devil is out to fragment family life? And one of the ways he tries to take dominion or he tries to affect or impact society is to break down the family. But God has an answer not only to how to heal that fragmentation but how to come out the other way and live healthy in relation to God. He has a pattern, he has an order in a way that he wants to do it and, and we see the essence of this in the Ten Commandments Okay, so uh, just to reiterate this kind of thing again so you don't think well is this a Jewish thing or, 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 or just a lawish thing of the Old Testament um, if, you, if you said let's take you shall not murder now is that just relevant for Jewish people? is it relevant for everybody? Okay, so let's just, so you can take any of these things. You shall not commit adultery. Is that just for Jewish people? Was that for everybody? Right. Okay, so let's just debunk that and, and, and just say, it's the, these, they're not Jewish, okay, and they're not legalistic things. These are laws to live by, as in principles and precedents that God puts uh, in place. So we're going to have them up on the, on the screen. Hopefully you can see them. Is that, can you read those? Great. Okay, so let's just run through some of these uh, for a few minutes. And this is connected with God's shalom and, and Sabbath coming into our homes, okay, in terms of God's life and power. So firstly, we know we, we, uh, if we want to see God's lordship. The f- number one here, you shall have no other gods before me. How many believe that God is, Jesus is the, 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 the only true living God, right? Most of us in the room. Maybe some of you don't know Jesus today. And we'd love to help you connect with him and and get to know him. But the first commandment that God gives is you shall have no other gods uh, before me. So what God is saying is because the the way it's written when you have no other gods, there's no capital G. So there shouldn't be a capital G there. There should be a small g uh, because God of the Bible is the only true and living God. But God does not want to take second place to anybody else. God does not want to kind of be second fiddle to anybody else he's the only true living God and he's saying I am your only God I am your exclusive God there is no other God and I want to be first I do not want to take second place and that connects with the next command which you shall not make for yourselves an idol now, we know there are different faiths and different religions in the world. So what is he saying here? You should have no other gods before me. But then he says, you, you shall make no idols for yourselves. Well, we know that there are many things that are made that people can give their lives for. Chasing stuff. If I can just get the next, whatever it is, phone, then my life will be more fulfilled. If I could buy the next car or if I could just have this thing or, or whatever it is, we, people are chasing the wind Because they think that thing will make me whatever in my life. And so we set other things up. And so we want the Lordship of God to be in our home. So we want to make sure that He is first in our lives. And we need to make sure that there isn't anything else that that we are giving ourselves to or chasing other than Him. How do we know that uh, God's going to look after us? Well, Matthew 6, 33 says, If you seek His kingdom and righteousness first... What does he say then? Everything else will be added unto you. So we don't have to fear lack. Or we don't have to fear the next pay rise. We don't have to fear where's my life going. Because basically what God says is, if you seek first my kingdom and rhyme righteousness, everything else will be added unto you. Okay. So <clears throat> we wanted to be Lord in our homes. We wanted to be, And that starts with him being Lord in our lives. We don't want any other idols, anything else before him. Then the third commandment says don't misuse his name in vain or whatever it says there. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Now, when God describes himself, he describes himself as holy. When Jesus describes who the Father is when he prays, he says, what does he say? He said, our Father... Who are in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. So Jesus makes a huge statement there, and because the Jewish culture then, a couple of thousand years ago, when Jesus was around, they, they they didn't say the word God because they knew the word that the name God is holy, so they could never use it in the same way because they, they knew who God was in terms of in theory, but they didn't know him personally. Jesus comes along and says, Our Father, he personalized it. And he says, who art in heaven, holy is your name. So the third command there, which says, don't use the Lord's name in vain, or what is it? don't misuse the name of the Lord. Probably the most common swear word these days is people saying Jesus Christ, or Jesus, or something like that. And, and so the name Jesus is probably spoken more than any other name around the world. But so often it's not used in a context of honour and reverence towards him. It's used as a swear word. Why? Because the enemy wants to take away the power of the name of Jesus in people's lives to become a swear word. Because the devil knows that Jesus and the name of Jesus is the most powerful name on the planet that when we believe in his name and we give our lives to him, you're, you're taken out of the clutches of the enemy and you're brought into a relationship with God. The power of sin is broken over people's lives and everything else that can capture in people's hearts and lives and we're brought into a relationship with God because the name of Jesus is the most powerful name. So we want to honour his name in our homes. But then it's connected with the fourth command, which we've highlighted here. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, it's interesting when we look at the other nine commands. We would all say... Yeah, no other gods. Absolutely not. Or, or those that know Jesus, we would say, no other gods. And no, I don't want any other idols. No, I don't want to use the name of Jesus as well. I want to honour his name because there's power in that name. I don't want to watch stuff on the TV where they're constantly blaspheming and all of that. Why entertain yourself with stuff that doesn't honour God? Because this, we want to honour God in our lives, Right? But then then we go, honour your father and mother. Absolutely, we should honour them and we unpack some of this and all the other things there. When it comes to number four, it's so easy in our minds that we say, um, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We don't do that. That's a Jewish thing. How many of you, don't put your hands up, but how many of you thought that? But actually, if we're going to keep the rest, we can't just throw out number four and say that's legalistic. Or that's religious. No, there's a a thing there, the Sabbath day, where God is saying there's a moment in your life where everything stops. Everything is shut out. You meet, you eat, you break bread, and that's where I come in. And it affects the rest of the week. That empowers the rest of the week. It changes the rest of the week. If you want to do that every day in your family, absolutely brilliant. But what that's talking about is in the seven days that we live there's a day where you need to say right there's a time in this day where we 're going to stop, and we 're not just going to have a five minute little prayer time because you know sometimes i don 't know sometimes at home when I was growing up, so it, it, you know we, we used to pray every day in my family when I was growing up, and sometimes um, it, it, it might feel like we're having a bit of a Bible study you know with my dad and uh, Sometimes I say, Dad, do we have to go on so long? You know, can't you make it a bit shorter? You know, Jesus didn't talk as long as this, so can't you talk a bit shorter, whatever? It wasn't always like that, it was only the odd times like that. But we used to meet every day or or, or at dinner, when we had dinner, we always used to spend some time afterwards. And uh, Jeremy, down here uh, on the front row, one of our trustees, Uh, He lived with us as a family, didn't you, for quite a few years? And at the end of every dinner time, we would always have a few minutes, didn't we? Something from the Word. We prayed together, or if there were particular needs, we prayed into those to see breakthroughs and to see answers. And that kind of brought that—that constantly was bringing God into our lives, into our situations, right? So I want to encourage you in that way. So the Sabbath, don't just boot it out, okay? Remember the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is gonna is really, really important because the first the first three there, you'll have no other gods, you'll have no other idols. That's to do with your relationship with God. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. That's all to do with your relationship with God. Then the Sabbath begins to be a bridging point between your relationship with God and then the release of His life in you and then through you in your home and then out into the rest of life. So the Sabbath and keeping it holy and God coming into our homes is a bridging point for God to come in, for God to impact and then for God to release who he is amongst us and then through us. So, uh, so there's a day, a time, a place where we want to honour his name. It's an exclusive time. It is God's time. God wants to get rid of any dysfunction, any disorder, any dis-ease. He wants to get rid of that because we're not from the house of slavery. Remember, he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery or the house of, depends what translation you read. He brought them out of the house of slavery and he wanted to bring them into his purposes and into his promises. Really, what he was saying is he wants to bring them into his shalom, his total well being, nothing missing, nothing lost. So, we want to make sure our homes are connected to the right in the right way because he wants to have a house of healing, house of wholeness, house of well being. It's 24 minutes past, nobody's reminded me yet. A oneness, house of shalom, okay? So, we're going to have to, I'm going to take another five minutes. Is that okay? Anyway, okay, so. Remember the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Then what's the first thing that happens? What's the first thing he says after keeping that sacred space, that holy place set apart? He says, honour your father and your mother. One of the biggest issues we have in society is a lack of respect for authority. And it all starts in the home. That's where it starts. We have a lack of authority out there because there isn't right order in the home, just in our culture and in society. And, and so we need to recognise as parents, we are the first point of, of um, responsibility. And, uh, and so, so what does it mean then for, for our kids to honour us as parents or, or you honour your parents or whatever your situation is? Well, if if we never do that in the home, when we never sit round the table, we never pray together, talk together, affirm one another, speak in God's life over each other, and we talk about how to live in this culture, in this society, we're not arming our kids in the right way. We're not not, they don't they then go out there without the armour and the protection they need. And if they don't get what they need around our table, they're going to get something else from somebody else's table, somebody else's lifestyle, somebody else's philosophy, somebody else's thinking. They're going to get it from the government or from the media or from school because of the education system and some of what it's teaching these days. They're going to get it from here, there and everywhere. And we wonder sometimes, why do our kids struggle with this? If we don't create the right environment in the home to invest in them, they're going to get stuff from elsewhere. How many of you know you don't even have to go out the home because they have a phone. And on their phone, they're invaded with all the lack of identity, with all the fear with all the stuff that's going on out there and they're getting it on social media all the time. Be like this, dress like this, behave like this. You should have these friends. You should be doing this, that and the other. And this pressure that is coming from all over the place, we need to help arm them in the right way so that they can be who God's called them to be. I'm jumping around here a little bit. Stats showed that 40% of teenagers in the church leave the church as they get older in their teenage years. And uh, so we need to understand we want to help them know God. If we take the foundation of what we're talking about, this Sabbath, this, this place where God is in the home, if we take that out as a foundation, which most homes don't have in their lives... Then we open our kids' lives up to the challenges of hate and prejudice, racism, bullying, gender identity and all the stuff out there. And they go out without any armour and protection into the big wide world and face all the stuff without what they need in their lives. Then what does it go on to? It goes on to do not murder. Well, Jesus, when he talked about in in the the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, he took it beyond just don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. He he said, you shall not murder. He said, you've heard that it was said you shouldn't murder. But he said, even if you're angry towards somebody. Wow. We know in society there's a lot, people take offence easily. They're unforgiving, angry, revengeful. What do we do around the table? We teach, what does it mean to be merciful? What does it mean to be forgiving? What does it mean to be gracious? What does it mean to be kind? Don't commit adultery. What does Jesus say? He said, even if you look at a woman or someone lustfully, it's like you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, Jesus took it to another level than just outward. So what's he talking about there? We live in a culture that is just sex-filled, don't we? Everything you look at and see has some kind of uh, something about sex or or feeds people in in that kind of way, everywhere. But how many of you know that that lust is never satisfied, it always wants more? And right from early age, we want to teach our kids, how do we honour people? How do we honour the opposite sex? How do you have a healthy friendship with other people as they're growing up? The first few years of our children's lives are so important Because that's how they're thinking, their brain is developing and how they interact with people. And we know the first two or three years of their life, they learn a lot more by what they see than what you tell them. Because at first they can't communicate, so everything they learn is through what they see. And so as we begin to write the kids that have been dedicated this morning, imagine at that age, you know, regularly you're sitting around the table, you're praying together, we're talking to Jesus and, and, and we're asking Him to do specific things and they begin to see God answer those prayers. They're going to grow up saying, hey, we prayed and Jesus did that. We prayed and Jesus did this. We prayed and He answered and, and we, we raise our kids and, and, and when we have friends around and families around to join in, we eat together, break bread together, we talk about God together together. And and we bring them into that environment. Then families learn together. There's a positive peer pressure, if I can put it that way, that our kids grow in. When there's other kids their age saying, we know Jesus too and we want to walk with Jesus in our lives. Okay, got to be quick. Got one minute left. No stealing. We live in a culture where people put others down to get ahead. There's a fear of lack. Uh, There's a lot of anxiety out there. People cheat to get to somewhere quicker. People steal this, that and the other. It goes back to Matthew 6 again. What is our life rooted in? Jesus said, if you seek first my kingdom and righteousness, all these things I will add to you. God knows what we need. So what is it? There's an issue of faith and trust or trust and faith that we want to bring our families into. We believe together, we pray together and see God answer. What does it say? No false witness. You know, God is amazing. He knows us inside out. Okay, Um, what does it say here? Don't give false testimony, lying, manipulating, telling half-truths and all that kind of stuff. In our homes, we have a great invite to teach honesty, openness, lying is not acceptable. Let's be true to our word. Not because we just tell our kids, but because we raise them in an environment of relationship and conversation. And we talk about life and and some of the challenges as they come back from school and what's going on and the conversations they have. And and you say, well, how do we think Jesus would respond to that? How do you think Jesus would have replied to that? And we want to teach our kids so that they, they are armed and ready to live in the culture that they're living in. What's the last one? No coveting. Uh, you shall not covet. So, what does coveting it means? To be jealous. It means to compare yourself with somebody else and think you're inferior, and you need what they have for your life to be better. Ultimately coveting comes from a lack of identity in your own life because you think who I am or what I have is not enough to be acceptable and and when you become a believer, when you know Jesus, your whole identity changes from, from what you've known and what you have and now your identity is found in who God is, that he loves you, he accepts you and you don't have to perform for him and to him because his love is not based on your performance, his love is based on his nature and his character. So how do we help our children? Well, around the table, what are we going to do? We're going to to affirm them. We're going to speak well of them. We're going to give them affirmation. We're going to encourage them. And that helps to give them identity. It helps them to grow in a safe environment. Why? Because God knows that every day someone, somewhere or something else is going to tell them something else about their life. You're this, you're that, you're the other, or you should be this, that or the other. And everything else. And that's not where that's not, they're not the places we learn from. That's not the house that we're connected to. The world is living, if I can put it this way, in the house of slavery. But if you know Jesus, you're not living in a house of slavery. You're not a slave to the world and the way it thinks and works and operates. You're now part of a different kingdom. You're now part of something else. We're now part of the kingdom of God, and it's a it's a house of freedom and liberty. So I don't know what kind of parent you've been, but you might think, oh, I've not been a good one. doesn't matter what's happened in the past. We're here right now. So draw a line. Today is a new day and let's step over it. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes, but we know that God is bigger than our mistakes. What is communion about? It's coming around the table saying, Father, forgive me for what I have done and and I've not done a good job here. It's also to forgive others. It's to get things right and set things in place. But what is communion doing? It's recognising the power of what Jesus did on the cross. We appropriate that power now today and see something change in the now that might not have been going well up to that point. But because we're having communion and believing God to do something, things are going to change. So it all starts in the home. And just to finish, okay, do you want to stand? I was going to play a song, but we, we haven't got time. Um, I don't know how many of you use the, uh, you know, the, the reading plan that we, we do for you. Um, so Andrew Sainsbury, is Andrew about? He came up here with uh, Emily. Their daughter was uh, dedicated. The two of us um, put together the uh, reading plan each month or for whatever. And we're amazed, you know, we, 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 we kind of think and pray about it, what, what would be good to put in there, what subjects, what themes and all of that. But it's amazing when you read it on different days, how relevant the scripture is to that day. So the reading Jane read over the kids, that was the reading from Psalm for today. Now we didn't go through it and say, let's read Psalm 127 on dedication Sunday and let's try and fit it in there somehow. In our thinking, let's just carry on in the Psalms, God knew... Oh, Psalm 127, that would be a great one. And somehow I'll orchestrate it so it's on Sunday, the whatever of April it is, 8th of April. And they're going to put a dedication Sunday in that day and that scripture will be brilliant. If you've read the individual scripture for today, the one that is related to a subject which we're going through this month, which is peace in relation to what we're doing, listen to this. This fits. I I wrote it. I didn't write it. I read it this morning. Yeah. And it says, listen to this my people will will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. I mean, if that doesn't fit what we're talking about, I don't know what does. Do you know what I mean? And we didn't look through that and say, let's stick that scripture in there. We were just going through saying that'd be a good one. Let's put it in here, put it in here, put it in here. But unpack that. My people will live in Shalom total well-being, nothing lost, nothing missing, dwelling places, in secure homes. How many of you know that these 5,000 households we're reaching out to, or well, there's less than that now because we've got 40 plus the church, there's 4,500 households whatever it is we're reaching out to. How many of you know that they need to become secure homes? In undisturbed places of rest, of what? Of Sabbath. Where God can come in And move powerfully. Let's just close our eyes, shall we? Thank you, Jesus, Father. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what we're doing, and what you are doing amongst us. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you. There is no condemnation in any of our lives to what we have or haven't done. We thank you this morning. We can draw a line. And we can step over that line today and say, Father, I want to step into your shalom in my house in a fresh way. I want to meet you at that appointed time whatever that might look like in your week. could be Friday night. could be sometime Saturday. Just get some space in the week where you say as a family or whatever your household looks like. You might be a bunch of single people living together in a, as a household. Brilliant. You could be in a small group. Why don't you in a small group say, right, let's, let's get together and let's just have some time where we, just, we have communion together. We pray for one another and we see God's shalom and power being released uh, amongst us. So Father, I thank you that We can respond to you and say yes, but Father, I thank you for your grace to live this out in our lives. Help us to discover what this looks like in our homes and in our families in your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.